Hello and welcome to the Music Innovation Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Florian Willisch, and in this podcast, I'm interviewing innovators in the music industry, people who build new tools or who use existing tools and structures in new ways. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave me a review that helps other people find the podcast. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Florian. Welcome to the Music Innovation Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining me here today. You are the CEO and founder of a company called Soundbrenner. Um, you were, I saw, uh, one of Forbes's 30 under 30 in Asia, which is uh, quite quite a title, I think. Um, and you're originally from, from Germany, but your company is now based in Hong Kong, I think. We're going to talk about all of these things today. Uh, but first of all, thanks a lot for, for jumping on this call with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to have a chat. If we can start with you explaining us what uh, Soundbrenner is really, and um, yeah, try to, to uh, try to maybe explain it to people that 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 may not be musicians as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I would love to. So, so basically, uh, with Soundbrenner, what we are trying to do is to bring, if, if you really boil it down, is to 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 use. Um, great technology and great design to build uh, better music tools than what exists today. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, right now, that's basically boils down to a variable device, kind of like a smartwatch, but specifically for making music, mm -hmm. and really something that every musician in the world can use, no matter the instrument or skill level from beginner to pro. And then also uh, great software that comes with it. And uh -huh. all the, the whole purpose of, of all of this is to help people to practice and make practice more fun, more rewarding. Uh, we like to yeah. say we're trying to make music practice addictive. Uh, and we all think right. that in many, many areas uh, of our lives, thanks to the smartphone and thanks to the all the advancements in design and tech, like things where that, that where painful and hard have become a lot easier, but we feel mm -hmm. like that hasn't really arrived for people that play instruments. And, and mm -hmm. we're trying to beat that change and make that happen with our products. So um, maybe to go a bit more uh, precisely into, into um, you know, what you've done so far, um, I think your first product was a, a basically a wearable metronome. Is that right? Like that gives you the rhythm by sort of tapping your wrist. Um, yeah. Well, wrist or wherever you're wearing it. Um, and you and you had you and you developed an app with that as well. So and that could be used uh, separately. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So that's that's basically how our company got started. So. My, my co-founder and me, we met in Berlin in 2015 mm -hmm. yep. in, in Germany, obviously. We are both Germans, uh, studied internationally, went to Berlin, met there, and we are both very passionate about music. I, I was, um, you know, grew up learning classical music, piano, and he grew up playing drums. So we kind of had both worlds, and we both knew the pain point of the metronome um, uh -huh. because, of course... You know, talking about making music practice addictive as a goal for our company, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and very specifically, we decided to start with rhythm because rhythm is 
you know, the lifeblood of music. It's something everyone cares about. And it's something that currently is in a very poor situation because mm -hmm. the metronome is so annoying. Anyone who <laughs> ever played with a click track knows that it's basically torture to, to use that for an hour or longer. And so mm -hmm. our basic idea when we started uh, right after university to, to work on this was what if you could not listen to the rhythm, but what if you could feel the rhythm with a variable device? And that's how the idea for the Soundrunner Pulse was born. Yeah. Okay. And um, so how come then that you decided to also do an app? Because I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this because I saw that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the most uh, downloaded metronome apps. Um, it's got extremely good ratings. I've got a app background as well. So, so yeah, that's very impressive. Um, so even though you wanted to build something physical, sort of hardware, um, you did also build a very successful software-only product. How, how, how did that link happen? Yeah, that's right. I mean, in, uh, when we started working on the Soundrunner Pulse, um, the, the goal was, of course, to start from the point of, okay, we want to allow people to feel the beat. Uh, then from there, we started testing things and we understood, for example, that uh, you need to be able to wear it not just on your wrist, but for drummers, they may want to wear it on their chest or their uh -huh. arm or their leg. Yeah. So that was, you know, we, we carved out all these different requirements. We came up with a touch surface where you can just tap the beat and it will match that and start vibrating along whatever you tap. But then also we ran into constraints of the hardware because some things are more complex. Maybe you want to change the time signature, the subdivision. Maybe you want to build a set list and run through different songs. Uh, okay. Maybe you want to make, you know, change the color of the light because it also has lights that, that blink alongside the vibration to give you even more feedback. So, so long story short, all these different customizations, we couldn't do just on the hardware itself. So we thought, why not make a companion app? And this is really mm -hmm. how it started. So then we made the companion app and we realized, wait a second, if we just offer this standalone for musicians who don't have the Soundrunner pools, that would be a great way for them to find out about us because we're a brand new company. Nobody has ever heard of Soundrunner at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, if, if we make the best metronome app in the world and we offer it for free, uh, perhaps it would get really popular and people will find out about our even better uh, vibrating metronome that we yeah. sell on the side. And that's basically exactly what happened. Our metronome app did get really popular. It's now the number one on Android and number three on iOS. And mm -hmm. a lot of people learn the first time about Soundbrenner through, through downloading the app, which, which is cool. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very um, it's very interesting, and and I guess in sort of uh, you know the 101 of of business strategy, um, you want to sell hardware, but you're you're actually getting into the software um, business to to get get customers uh, to you. I, I think it's a very very smart approach. Um, out of interest, uh, how how big is your team uh, now? Uh, in, at this point, we have uh, about, you know, depending if you count the interns and, you know, a few part-time people, it's between 20 to 25. All right. All right. Yeah, that, that's a, a, a very sizable team then. And so you were a little bit, um, well, the, 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 the story of the, of the company, 
telling us about going there maybe maybe we just say what exists now in in terms of products like the 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 history of the products you had the um i think it's called pulse is that right that was the first generation of the wearable device which was more or less just tapping if if i'm not wrong um and you launched that on on an indiegogo uh, campaign uh, is that right and yeah, that's and, right that was in 2015 that was our first time we publicly launched anything was the sound brand yeah um do you do you communicate how many you sold of those yeah yeah of course so uh for the sound brand on indiegogo back then uh we sold in the first few months uh 250 us dollars worth of pre-orders wow so that sounds great but uh if you if you want to manufacture hardware then yeah. you need even more. So so even the 250,000 were not enough to actually go into mass production and pay for developing the iOS app, the Android app, uh-huh. the electrical engineering, the firmware, the tooling, the industrial design, mechanical design, all the components. So, but but it was enough to, to basically have a validation to an investor to say, look, we, we uh-huh. have a concept, it we can build it, we have already sold some units, so if you give us some investment so we can actually bring this into retail stores all over the world, then we can, you know, this is a viable business. And, and that's what we did. We raised some funding after this crowdfunding campaign, and then we were able to uh, finish the full development and uh, deliver all the units and then go on to launch in, in global retail. So today you can actually buy the Soundburner Pulse in many, many music stores. I think it's over 1,000 at this point in over 40 countries. And and so now we're at a point where um, you are releasing the second generation of this, which is much more has m- many more features. Um, it's more of a smart watch by now, if uh, if you know if I'm describing that right. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, can you describe that 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 new version? What what's special about that? Yeah, of course. So. One thing we found with the pulse is that a lot of people had the feedback that there's still quite a lot of friction when using it because, say, uh, you want to practice music, you already have to overcome your um, inner uh, lazy person, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, so so that you actually sit down and practice music. And then on top of that, you have to find your pulse, you have to power it up, you have to make sure it's charged, you have to connect it to the app and set it up. Mm-hmm. And we found, what if um, what if you already had it on you and it would be ready to go right away? That would make it much more likely that you can benefit from it. And then we we thought even further and we were like, what if it could include even more music tools so we can simplify the whole experience even more? And so that's why we were able to then add a contact tuner for all string instruments, bass right. guitar, guitar, ukulele, you can even tune a bass or a violin. And mm-hmm. then on top, we were even able to include a, uh, a decibel meter, which also now, because of the fact that you always have it on you, actually checks every five seconds for the volume and automatically warns you if your hearing is in danger of getting damaged. All right. so, so, now, so, so now it's a really full-on multi-tool that can just make your life as a musician much less, have less friction. 
Like that's, that's basically the mission is to take away all the unnecessary pain points that get between you and playing music and make that yeah. as easy as possible. Yeah. I'd say that um, the second generation that you just described um, has also, you have also marketed that on Indiegogo. Um, That's right. And it's, I think it's over now, the campaign, or is it still running? Very successful. We are extremely excited because we've now hit over 1.2 million in pre-orders. So ah, it's yeah. an even much bigger success than the Pulse because it's, of course, yeah. a much more ambitious product and we included you know back when we developed the pulse we were basically a team of four now we're a yeah. team of 20 25 so we can do yeah. a lot more things yeah. so, so yeah it's it's very uh, very exciting and we're actually uh just about to start mass production so it's a very exciting time here at soundburner wow awesome well congratulations on on, on that already i mean yeah you go from strengths to strengths I that um, this sort of begs the question and I'm sure you've got a good answer for me here is, uh, of course, with all the wearable devices and very big companies and wearable devices now uh, like uh, like Apple. Way. Where company, I'm sure you you're not you don't really want to get into developing an Apple Watch app or something like that. But I mean, is there a way that that could make sense for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one simple fact is that, you know, there are companies like Apple, they are, are worth a trillion dollars, they have thousands of people working on the Apple Watch. Yeah. And if you're interested in a full on smart watch with a fitness tracker and all bells and whistles, uh, we will not make a better version than the Apple Watch, right? But mm -hmm. if you're interested in having the best music tools, then we do because we can specialize on that. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, our stance on this is that, uh, you know, some musicians they may only have a Soundburner Core and they're happy with that. Yeah. Some musicians already have an Apple Watch and they also want to get a Soundburner Core, but they may not wear it every day, but just put it in their yeah. music practice bag, which is also okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the, for some people, they may just want to use our software and they are not interested in a um, very portable contact tuner and a vibrating metronome. However, they are interested in having better software tools. And so that's mm -hmm. really the group we would, they would benefit the most from an Apple Watch companion app. And, and we actually are thinking about offering that for them as well. But of course, in the midterm, we need to find also a way to, um, to, to make money through that because today our software is completely free. Yeah. So if we offer such a companion app for the Apple Watch, for example, uh, you know, one thing that it wouldn't be able to do is to vibrate and replace the pulse because the, the, the matter is that the vibration motor in the Apple Watch is very weak. But okay. then there are certain other things. Maybe you, you can control the set lists for our metronome app, which is just audio based in that case uh, on your Apple Watch, which is yeah. very convenient. And then we charge maybe some, some money for that. So, so yeah, we are, we are thinking about that for sure. It's, uh, it, it, it would be, would be stupid not to, right? So, so yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so, all right. Uh, let me, let me sort of rewind a little bit now where, where we were earlier actually, and talk a little bit about the, the beginnings of the company. You spoke mm -hmm. quickly about the fact that you met your co-founder in Berlin, I think. Yeah. And, right. um, um, and you, 
so you started the idea how did the idea come to you just just one day because you're a musician it just came to you or was there something particular yeah i think the base idea was first to because to, when, when when we had this idea it was really at the peak when everybody was talking and thinking about variables there were rumors about the uh -huh. apple watch but it wasn't quite announced yet yeah. uh, fitbit had just their ipo and everybody was talking about Fitbit. And so we thought, why is there no wearable device for musicians and what could it do? And very yeah. quickly we thought it would be really cool to sync a band with vibrations. And that's really okay. the, the base idea. And I remember from my own music uh, education, my teacher, he would always tap me to give me the beats because I couldn't follow along the audible sound. And I was like, wow, yeah. practically you have a, music teacher that taps you built into the variable device that should be possible right it doesn't sound like uh, like it sounds like something we could actually do as a brand new company yeah and uh, that's how it all started and we had almost no capital we had almost no experience because we came straight out of university we, f we felt it was really a long shot that this would even work uh -huh. to from an execution point of view as in can we really are we really capable of finding the capital and building this? Uh, yeah. However, we were so excited by it, to be honest. Like from the second we thought of it, we immediately became obsessed. We couldn't stop working on it. And it was just this, this moment of, okay, let's just try as hard as we can to, to make it work. And maybe, maybe it will. And actually it, it did. So, so yeah, it's pretty, uh, pr pretty cool how, how it all turned out at the end of the day. Yeah, so, so uh, just to one point that you were just uh, talking about, um, I didn't even think of that. But so you can sync different uh, different uh, sound brenners, basically. That's right. Yeah, that's very easy through the app. So you can. All right. That's by the way, yeah, that's I mean, another that reason why sense. we did the app. So you you can just with Bluetooth connect five calls to our app, and then they will be perfectly in sync. Yeah, that's excellent. It takes just five seconds to do. It's very yeah. nice. Awesome. Um, um, and to go, go back to sort of how it all created, how did you then, what was the next steps uh, for you to find out um, uh, again when you were in Berlin, etc.? What did you take to sort of test that, that um, you know, that there was any demand for it? Yeah, I mean, the, that's exactly the first question we asked ourselves. I think if you have an idea for a company or a product, one of the most important things is to understand what to, not to do. Because pretty much there's a billion things you could be doing. And yeah. I think that's something we did well is we just focused on it, like what would the product look like? Is it actually working? And so uh -huh. we spent 100% of our time rather than making business cards or thinking about our brand or anything else. We just focused on let's build a prototype and see if people like it. Uh -huh. And so we took my co-founder, he studied music technology. So he knew a bit about electronics, about soldering, about 3D printing. Um, okay. And his roommate was a tailor. So his roommate uh, tailored for us some some straps, okay, All which right. was just pretty funny. And then we input uh, different motor options, like for the vibration uh -huh. motor. And we uh, coded in an Arduino, if anyone knows what that is, mm -hmm. uh, like yeah. a basic metronome algorithm. And then we went to musicians we knew in Berlin, like a piano player, a drummer, a guitar player, a violinist. We gave them this 
basically a bag of cables and we were like <laughs> it on on the computer cables coming out and hanging all over them we were like how, how is this <laughs> and at first they said this is terrible i i hate it because we of course didn't get anything right at first and we needed okay. that feedback to then we were like okay but you know i i think that's that's another thing like it's easy to get discouraged at that point because Okay. just like, okay, it didn't work. But we had kind of this vision in our head. We were like, yeah, but what if we would do these five other things? Maybe then it would hit the threshold where it's actually a great experience. And so uh -huh. we kept going. We kept iterating. We made new prototypes. And then eventually we were at a point where if we gave it to a musician. They, they were like, wow, this is cool. And then we knew, okay, now we can we can start talking about other things. Like, do we launch on crowdfunding? How do we... Um, actually build a design for this how can we you know make the cables go away <laughs> yeah yeah. That, so. oh, yeah awesome um and so uh, how did you end up in hong kong then because that was all in europe that's right yeah so at that point we were we, we were participating in different startup competitions in berlin mm -hmm. and we were approached by an investor from hong kong that was specialized okay. in hardware in Berlin. And they said, look guys, uh, I think what you, got, what you are doing is great. Uh, we'd like to invest 25,000 US dollars into, into you too, uh, mm -hmm. at that point, pretty much. And we want to invite you to Hong Kong and we help you with the product development and with the manufacturing on top of the money. And we said, we looked at each other, we were like, wow, they must be crazy to, to invest $25,000 <laughs> In, into us because we're you know just to to graduate from university but yeah actually they were right you know we were able to to build a real business out of it and today of yeah. course uh, you know, $25,000 from a company perspective wouldn't be that much anymore yeah. but <laughs> back then it was amazing for us because uh, it, it, it was our dream it was to to work on this it was so much fun to work on this and mm. the only problem all these months in Berlin was that we didn't earn a single euro or dollar. <laughs> so so the, the fact that we could actually pay ourselves a salary was, was amazing. And yeah. And then of course we went to Hong Kong and it, it made sense to us, right? Like if you, like a lot of people think uh, you go to China just because it's cheap, but the truth is that uh, there's also an, a gigantic ecosystem for developing electronics. Uh, yeah. So for example, you can get literally any kind of material um, you can get you know injection molding you can get yeah. handmade prototypes you can get packaging assembly know-how on electronics industrial design mechanical design and everything is basically in the same city so being yeah. there is kind of like putting you on steroids you you can move so much faster because you can visit everyone in one day and sit at the table with everybody that that you need so yeah that, that was a reason to then stay here and just speed things up yeah that uh that makes sense i think it's hard to sort of understand that for people that either don't work in hardware or or, or maybe have never been to to china to 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 sort of really grasp that um You've you've told me we've we've spoken before and you told me an anecdote about I think one of your first times uh, going to to China. Um, it, can you can, do you know uh, what I mean about the the little lady 
Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, can you so tell basically, us that? of course, one of the biggest questions when you develop a vibrating metronome is what kind of vibration motor do you use? Because surely there must be so many different kinds of technologies and options, and there's not exactly something you can Google, like what kind of vibration motor is yeah. best for a vibrating metronome, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so pretty much what you have to do is you have to build it and try it out. And so we, when we were in Berlin, we tried to get access to all these different options. And mm -hmm. we went through every single electronic store in Berlin and we found one vibration motor, that's it. And then we went online and we found another one on eBay, which took four weeks to deliver. And then for months, we were working with two vibration motors, okay? Yeah. So then fast forward until uh, you know two months later or so, uh, we are in Huachang Bay, which is the electronics market in Shenzhen. And they have this, this uh, high-rise building with 10 floors. And pretty much on every floor, you have one component type. And I, I remember being on the vibration motor floor and there's this old lady, <laughs> she has a card with with wheels that's that's portable and it was like this glass thing and uh we looked we looked at it and there were, were like 200 different vibration motors in it like every wow. one every every uh, the component that was ever built into a product ever and my yeah. co-founder and me we looked at each other we were like wow you, that's that's where we need to be because yeah well, we just took one, you know, one of each, and we were ready to actually go and try. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that story because I think that really, really explains, you know, the difference. Um, like when you're whatever in Europe or America, and you're getting one, two, three versions, and you just take that trip to China, and suddenly you have two hundred different ones just like in one little stall. Um, I think that. Uh, that really, um, yeah, explains the difference very well. Um, yeah, and it was it was everything. You could even go down a a floor below, and you had twenty uh, of these cards selling LEDs. Yeah. And one floor below, you had twenty cards offering batteries, and yeah. literally any component is in the same building. And uh, like uh, one, one even crazier was then two weeks later, we actually were introduced to a vibration motor factory and they were like, sure, we can make a custom motor for you in three days uh, for like 100 US. <laughs> and we, they were just like, what, what do you need? And we explained the characteristics of the motor and three days later, they came back with a custom made motor. And it's like, you, you cannot get that in Europe anywhere. It's, yeah. There are no... Vibration motor factories in Europe—they are all in China. So, so of course you can you can order that, but it will take so much longer. So, so yeah, it's you know it had, everything has pros and cons. But um, if you if you are in hardware, you have to be around Asia for sure. Yeah, interesting. So I guess that brings up the point of you know you 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 do work in hardware, but you work with artists and and typically. Um, at least in terms of Western uh, view, you know, people think that if you're in the music business, you need to be in Berlin, London, New York or L.A. basically. Um, how, you know, uh, what's your take on that? Um, how, or how do you bridge that gap maybe for your company? 
Yeah, we found here in Hong Kong, we can actually build a team that's quite internationally minded. So mm-hmm. from the 20 people we have in the team, we have around 15 international uh, nationalities, which is which is pretty crazy. It's as international as it gets because also Berlin is the same way as Hong Kong. And so we, we kind of have a team that understands, for example, the Chinese market. It also understands the U.S. market. And uh, we can we can online connect with artists from L.A., from New York, from Berlin. And uh-huh. I guess the, the other thing is we just get into an airplane regularly and visit okay. these places. So uh, at least, I would say, four times per year, someone from Soundbrenner would be in Los Angeles to uh, go to a music exhibition, meet with artists. Yeah. And so for now, for now that works. And then the midterm plan is, of course, to also build a presence there. Uh, but, you know, it's it's one step at a time. I think it's yeah. not a major constraint when you start out because we found artists are actually quite open minded and, and easy to approach and work with, even if we are not, you know, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so is there, uh, you know, is there some some names that we would know of people that use your your product? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends what kind of music you're into. So, of course, we yeah. mo- mostly focus on instrumentalists, people that play drums, guitar, piano, etc. Yeah. yeah, I would say uh, maybe you know p- people would know Dream Feeder. Uh, so Jordan Rudis, who who's the keyboard player, he's a fan. Uh, I met uh-huh. him uh, several times already. He, I was even at his home. He showed me his studio where he okay. where he composes all the music, which, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, another one would that's that's less known outside of of the drumming circles, but everybody has heard his his play is J.R. Robinson. Uh, uh-huh. He's the most recorded drummer in history. So he, oh, he wow. recorded with Michael Jackson. He recorded with Daft Punk. He recorded wow. with so many so many albums he's, mm-hmm. he's a insane studio drummer and so he's also among our artists and you know right. m- many 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 more I, I would say there's at this point there's there's a few hundred that are professional who regularly use our devices yeah excellent what um what do you see as the you know what's the future of uh, soundbender what comes after the second generation uh, for, for us, we feel like we are still just at the very beginning. It's like maybe maybe at 1% of, of what it can be because yeah. uh, it, 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 we feel like there's so much potential in the, in the music world to, yeah. to, to bring uh, improvements and change. The, the existing really big companies, they, they have a certain skill set that that we admire like let's say craftsmanship they, they make beautiful instruments and, and you know they are great but when yeah. it comes to software and technology there's there's a big 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 gap for for instrumentalists it's yeah. it's if there's anything it's more in electronic music but not for piano players uh-huh. and drummers and guitarists and so our our vision is to keep improving this the practice experience and keep uh, refining that through software that can motivate you that can can support let's say a teacher uh, uh, that can analyze that can yep. just take away pain points and basically mm-hmm. we want to build the ecosystem for for playing instruments so anytime someone in the world plays music they will use our tools be it hardware or software and they will connect and interact with our community of, of musicians. That's that's our goal. 
Excellent. I guess uh, so in the world of, of music, um, in your opinion, what other exciting companies are there? Uh, what like is there any things that you look at and are like, wow, this is pretty cool? Maybe even in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, I don't know of any music tech companies. Okay. I would say that uh, there's there's maybe maybe some people would know Roly uh, from from the UK, right? They do uh-huh. they do quite interesting things with the seaboard and and their digital instruments. Uh-huh. Uh, so so that would be one. Uh, I would say from the bigger ones, the one I most respect is Fender. Uh, right. There are some interesting, already successful initiatives with Fender Play, uh, for example, where you can learn guitar on your through a phone app, uh, which which is I think more like a niche case. I think most people would still prefer to learn from a teacher, but not everybody has time for that. So, so yeah. they are building a great alternative uh, for 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 people who don't have time for teachers. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, this this would be two. And then I mean, I have many friends that that run smaller companies that I of course support. Mm-hmm. I kind of give a shout out to, for example, uh, Rody Tuner or Beat Buddy or mm-hmm. Jamstick or you know so, some of these companies are are making really great uh, gadgets and devices in the music tech space. So check awesome. them out if you haven't heard of them. I'll put um I'll put the links uh in the in the in the notes um so that people can check them out as well. Um so moving moving towards the end uh, of this I always ask uh like two last questions to the same question to all the guests. Um the first one is uh, basically if there was a is there any product or tool um it can be software hardware anything really that in, in the music industry that you think is missing and where you think like someone should really be doing this, you know? Yeah, as I said earlier, there are actually a lot. So I, okay. I just have to decide which one I <laughs> I, I name. I mean, I, I, I would say personally, um, the, the biggest the biggest gap for me is, you know, in, in, when it comes to, for example, fitness, there are all these communities uh, like Nike Run Club or Strava. Yep. And yeah. the, something like this for, instru- for for people who play instruments would be would be amazing because you, you it has a really positive impact to to motivate each other to see each other's progress to share and and all in a context of you're not showing off but you're just doing it for the passion of music because yeah if you post that kind of stuff to Facebook it's always like you know I'm showing off my music skills or maybe you're just starting you don't want to look like an idiot but if you're among peers it's yeah. it's a great place so. So I think that's that is something we're excited about. Interesting, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and then um, I guess one or two bands that you that you're listening to, they can be new or old that you'd like to recommend to our listeners. Oh, some bands. Okay, I guess mm-hmm. I shouldn't go with. It the... can be your own band if you want. <laughs> uh, I like. Re- recently, I've been listening a lot to. Um, Joe Satriani, which is pretty old okay. school, but I've, I've just met him uh, earlier this year and I really fell in love with, with all his old albums from the 80s and 90s. Okay. So that, awesome. that, that'd be one. Um, uh-huh. And maybe more on the newer side, uh, Girl in Red. Girl in Red? Yes. I've never heard that. I'll, I'll have a listen to those. 
All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, Florian. Uh, that was uh, really interesting. I'm I'm very uh, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. I find you bring so many elements together in a very smart way. Um, and and you know it's it's uh, yeah I love speaking to people like you on this podcast. Um, sort of bringing the music business uh, a little bit into the next uh, you know next step, next generation. Um, so thanks a lot for being on, on this podcast. Yeah, it was great to share more about, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Any businesses, bands or links that we've discussed can be found in the show notes. If you like the episode, please share it with at least one person. It really helps to spread the word. And if you'd like to reach out, please go to musicinnovationpodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon.